integrity, tradition, devotion, and justice in the goddamn American way. That's the Tanner's Creed. To some Tanners, these words are hollow. Gary, Indiana's George Georgian, those words are a daily reminder. Upholding the old ways, George ensures that his animal products and tan goods are of the highest quality. Whether it's a set of hide gloves for the kids or a leather girdle for dear old Aunt Betty, Betty, or a lean and mean muzzle for your consensual relations, George will ensure that each and every stitch is placed with the utmost of care. So if you're looking for the finest in tan goods, the choice should be as clear as cotton. Choose pride. 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 Choose passion. 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 Choose dedication. Tannery by George. Open Wednesdays from noon to two. In case you were unsure, rock and roll for initiative is an immature, filthy, and occasionally a pretty goddamn horny podcast. Listener discretion is advised. Hello there. I want to thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Rock and Roll for Initiative. I know we're a couple days late on the upload, so thank you for your patience. This is a big one. It's our longest episode yet at over two hours, and I really, really hope you're going to enjoy it. You will have your first live performance from Breaking Wind, as well as a slew of other goodies to look forward to. (laughs) But seriously, thanks for tuning in. Once again, this is Rock and Roll for Initiative, the story of our weekend warrior bandmates who get swept up into a world of blades, beasts, and rock and roll. I just want to give you a little bit of insight onto some of the the behind-the-scenes things here before we get started. So after filming, sorry, recording this episode here, we acquired ourselves a very nice audio interface, which means that all episodes after this one, you should notice a significant jump in voice quality. (laughs) Though I don't think we've done that bad so far. However, the reason this episode took me so long is because there was some audio corruption issues that we had to deal with. Don't worry. It didn't affect the final output, but, well, it did affect how much time I had to spend dealing with it. But that's neither here nor there. So, without further ado, I am Roger, your tour manager, and I'm here to take you to the promised land. Ah, hello, hello, welcome. I am joined, as always, by the boys... The uh, unofficial official name for our crew, and I feel like every male crew of nerdy things. That is with an I to avoid copyright. Boys. Oh, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you very much, Zach. So, six episodes in. B-O-I-Y-E. Or E-Y-E. Fuck. Meth's a hell of a drug. 
All right. Uh, so sitting around me here, I got my guys. Go ahead and introduce yourselves. Oh, wait. I got to say my question of the week for you this week. Tell me a little bit about how your characters are feeling in their uh, current situation. This is a wild time. I mean, you guys are transforming into different races. You're getting new clothes. You're riding phantom trains. You killed monsters. Jeez. I'm Andy. I play grumpy old bassist Benedict McIntyre. How Benedict feels about the current situation is he he's not fond of it, but he's also been through worse, he feels. like So he's pretty like, all right, just got to move forward, got to keep going. I, I've been through shit that's far worse than this, at least for my mental state. Fair. And uh, fun fact about Benedict McIntyre is he drives a 66 Oldsmobile Cutlass that he has actually owned since 66. Wow. That's impressive. How many miles you got on that bad boy? The odometer broke long ago, so he hasn't the foggiest idea. <laughs> All right. Hi, my name is Nathan, and uh, I play the group's resident alcoholic, uh, Drunken George here. <laughs> so, uh, fun fact about George is that he actually has nothing in his possession, asset-wise, financially. He, he owns nothing. <laughs> Every standing yeah, Nothing, nothing. The, the business is in his wife's name. Oh, everything no. everything is, is through her. So if she were to leave him, he is quite literally homeless with nothing to his name. Not even his suit. Not, uh, yeah, the suit she bought for him, I guess that is really the only thing he has. What about his pride? Uh, he, he will always have his pride. Um, but how George is feeling about the current situation, you know, his his carefree alcoholic attitude is it's kind of preventing him from seeing the danger uh, of everything that he's involved in right now, or the repercussions of everything that he's involved in right now. Uh, you know, uh, but, alcohol uh, tends to do that. Yes, when when sobriety kicks in, it's it's a different story. All right, all right. Hi, I'm Kevin. I play the number one shining star, frontman of the group, protective paladin Gil Albright. And fun fact about Gil this week is uh, he just recently learned what a cathedral setting is for a wedding ring. <laughs> well, you know, he's planning to, to propose to his girlfriend, so he was looking into rings and, and he was, you know, doing some research, found out what a cathedral setting is. I don't know what it is. It's uh, the setting for the for the diamond, the cathedral setting. There's like a like a, a band that goes around it in its setting. Interesting. How's uh, how's Gil feeling about everything going on here? Uh, he misses his girlfriend. He's he's he, he wants to, he wants to get back to Heather. Do you think she misses him? Yeah, he he believes she does. We're pulling for you, Gil. Hi, I'm Zach. I play Crawford, Crawmia Rivered Mawson, the group's lead vocalist, lead lyricist. Lead talent. Yeehaw. Uh, wait, what? <laughs> wait, wait a minute. <laughs> I meant to say lead guitarist. I meant to say lead guitarist. Pardon me. Uh, in this situation, he thinks that maybe some... He's beginning to believe that he got dosed at the paper party he played. <laughs> none of this is real. Uh, so he's kind of waiting until he, like, touches him. Like, you know, oh, I felt that. But right now, he's kind of just thinking he's all fucked up on drugs right now, honestly. Uh, a fun fact about Crawford Mawson is he had his taint and balls area, his perineum area, uh, tattooed so that his cock looks like a unicorn horn. <laughs> I'm thinking about I'm going to be honest. I don't know how that would work, and I don't want to know how that would work. I'm very painful. Very, very painful. I am visualizing this as the tattoo, though, and it's quite hilarious. So is it not? The only way that it would actually ever look like a unicorn is when you're erect. Right? 
You know, otherwise I, it looks like a uh, uh, fucking whack-a-mole, like a or just like a really depressed unicorn horn. Uh, it looks like a like a can of um, Pillsbury cinnamon rolls after you pop it, <laughs> uh, sort of like drooping down. And there's a swirl going around. It never mind. <laughs> you know, I think back to months ago when we first came up with the idea of doing this podcast, and you know, my bright young heart thinking like, yeah, wow, look at us, we're we're gonna we're gonna be professionals, and then here we are, six episodes in, and we're still just sitting in my basement talking about penises, Saints and balls, and same. As I'm it just ever glad, was. To, yeah, same <laughs> as it ever was. I'm glad to know that you know, uh, 30 years later, it still just amounts to sitting in my basement talking about penises. <laughs> Great friendship's a wonderful thing, and hey, that brings us right to episode six, Tone Woods. All right, so as your group sits on the Bessie Freighter heading down the new line of track, you are just continually amazed by your surroundings, watching the leaves and branches flow by this beautiful uh, autumnal sort of landscape. It really, it almost brings a tear to your eye. And despite your circumstances, there is a certain element of beauty to be found here. However, the train comes to a stop. As the dust settles and your group steps off of the Bessie Freighter, what you see before you is something a little different. Off to your right, you see what appears to be an old ramshackle sort of train depot. Behind that train depot is a very steep hill. From the other side of the hill, you can hear what sounds almost like running water and the general sounds of commotion. You get the sense that the town you've been told to seek out might lie on the other side of that hill. And for our listeners, this is where that audio corruption I was talking about happened, so I narrate as our fellows set foot into the new and mysterious depot. They find it to be largely abandoned, coated entirely in dust. We see Gil and Crawford Mawson having a bit of a conversation as they step through the cobwebs and detritus of the train depot. Gil, we need to talk about this band name. All right. What, what's, what's wrong with the band name? I just think you're... You gotta be a bit more open-minded. I mean, now... We're, we're, the band name comes from the heart. Yeah. It's a... It's a bit bold to let everybody know you feel that way about... Scat. What are you talking about? You know, because breaking wind, you know, kind of like a, like a, like a, like a fart. Like shit. What? Like, like poop particles. What? What is, what Gil, is... everybody's laughing at this name. Why? What's wrong? What's... I'm not following you here, Craw. Uh, you see... Uh, Gil... Hear me out. All right? Gil, fuck yourself. What? What? <laughs> you heard me. Gil, fuck yourself. 
the? What are you talking? What? What did I do? What do you mean? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What's going? Cross? Do you, is there a problem with the? No, 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 buddy, 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 baby, my friend. The band name should be Gil. Fuck yourself. Like go fuck yourself. What? <laughs> what? Uh, I. You don't get it, do you? I'm so confused. <laughs> See, break, breaking winds just—it's—it's kind of shitty. It's kind of breaking windy. And I, I don't I don't know how to do better. But you but it, I thought I thought it was a great name like like we're we're breaking wind we're breaking boundaries we're we're moving ahead at, at the speed of sound is is that not then then why not go with barrier breakers? I mean I thought breaking wind was fine is 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 there something I'm not understanding here? Honestly, I think it might be a uh... I think some of Ironsides' alcohol might have gotten in the flask. I think I might just be a little little messed up right now. Forget I said anything, Gil. Oh, I'm going to go see the boy. Okay. Immediately following this conversation, Crawford Mawson and Gil Albright each see something that catches their eye. In the case of Crawford, it is a small lockbox sitting on the depot counter. Perhaps one to store old ticket stubs, or in his eager mind, money. Gil, however, notices a small brass bell sitting directly in the center of the counter. Unlike the rest of this depot, this bell is not rusted, nor is it covered in dust or cobwebs. As he stares at the bell, he feels a pulsating in the back of his mind, and almost as though he is a fly drawn to a trap, Gil decides to ring that bell. A whirlwind kicks up into this area, throwing dust and grit into your eyes, and you blink, you know, to try and get whatever's going on out of your vision. And once you open your eyes, you see standing behind the counter of the depot a very large, brawny man. His muscles gleam, even though there is no sunlight <laughs> under the uh, shielding of the depot. He has a blonde mustache, a single golden lock of hair off the top of his head. Uh, he has one of those looks on his face where uh, you can look. You look at him and you say, "You know, this is a guy that if you called him Harold, he'd say, hey, how's it going?'" How's it? And uh, if you don't know what that means, then do a little bit of soul searching. Uh, he wears only a hide vest and hide chaps. And he leans forward on his very muscular forearm and looks all four of you straight in the eye. And he says, Hello! Hello! Hello. Uh, hey, man! Welcome! Crawford, uh, Crawford Moss and Musk gives a uh, Hello. Oh, hello there. He like holds to, out a hand to shake your hand. As uh, Crawford's moving in for the handshake, I'd like to roll a sleight of hand to casually put the uh, money box behind my back. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Uh, Fifteen. So as you're attempting to put it behind your back, he, he stops you with one arm. He says, oh there, friend. Don't want you to injure yourself. Splinters and all. I'll take that. Thank you. Hey, now shake the hand, partner. Shake in your hand, partner. All right, I want you to roll a... <laughs> and to endure. Roll to endure. Ten. Uh, you feel a sharp pain in your hand as this this grip absolutely just obliterates your your your, your, your musculature. 
Ah, good handshake. Fantastic. Welcome to Doyle Co., purveyor of fine goods and unique services. And no, we do not mean any that are sexual for those of you who might be thinking otherwise. And he gives you all a quick glare. Unfortunately, you've found me at a bit of a rough time. I don't really have much to sell, but we're a growing business. You boys could get in on the ground floor with, say, an investment. I was just trying to steal your cash <laughs> box. I feel like that's a clear indication that I don't have currency. He, he looks you dead in the eyes and he says, Son, you are more than your life choices. He puts a hand on your shoulder. It is forgiven. I appreciate it. Well, money I do not have, but I, I can make a deal. How about this, boys? I can tell you're not from around here. You're going to be going places, big places. We're from Gary. Gary, Indiana. Gary, Indiana. I've not heard of it. You'll have to let me know where that is. Maybe we can do some networking. Mm. Networking. It's all about networking. There's a lot of networking traffic in Gary, Indiana. You see, it's about who you know, boys. Uh, I, I assume you're musicians. Yeah, you look the sort. Musician? I am a guitar player. Play the accordion? Oh, yes, yes. And what about you, sir? You look like a shining star. Oh, oh. Well, I'm I'm the uh, I'm the singer for this for this for this band here. Oh yes, yes. And he looks over at Benedict. Have we met someone? I I feel like we have. Perhaps two ships in the night. Say, boys, did I talk to you about networking? Did you do any networking in Vietnam? Maybe that's where you know it. Vietnam, never heard of it. It's an attack. It's all about networking, boys. And since it seems that you are the type to be moving on and about upwards and onwards, mayhaps you could help me make Doyle Co. a household name. We can make Doyle Co. go. Uh, real, real quick, Gil jumps in. He's like, guys, got uh, band huddle real quick. Band huddle. By all means, if you don't mind, I'm going to be oiling. Uh... Wait, oiling? Yes. I'm going to keep an eye on you oiling <laughs> while listening to them. He quite literally leans against the wall, pulls a, a a bottle of unspecified oil and lotion out, rubs it on his hands, and just massages his perfect abs while making eye contact with you the entire time. In in my head, I'm thinking this is, this is the routine I need to do to be the... the, the, the pristine man. Oh, would you like to hear my recipe for this oil? Certainly. Two tablespoons of olive oil, one tablespoon of a little bit of garlic, and a whole cup of confidence. A whole cup of 100% lean beef. I've been called worse. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll have to remember that recipe because... Uh, Weren't you in the middle of a band huddle? Yeah, oh, band yeah, huddle, yeah, guys. Yes, oh, yeah, and he continues to oil. My, my ear's all into the huddle, but my oh. eyes are affixed. <laughs> Okay, first off, I rang a bell and that guy just came out of fucking nowhere. So I am. It was awesome. Admittedly, prompt service. Y yes, <laughs> but still freaky. Also, he's talking about networking. I, I don't think we should do any kind of networking without Kitty knowing about this. I think Kitty would be proud that we got a gig, that we took the initiative. As, we, as long as we pay her. You know, it doesn't matter to me. I don't have a business. But George, you got your tanning bed. You might be able to. I own a bar. Be able, this might be able to help so, you. So I can definitely advertise this. 
I can definitely Or not, if you don't want to. My tanning business is just fine. Okay. The only thing you hear in the background is the wet sopping. Mmm. That's a good one. Mmm. Yeah, I, uh, I can, I can advertise for him at my, at, at my bar. I can do that. Well, either way, I guess we should at least hear what he wants us to do. We but could just agree. Keep it Try our best. I mean, do we, we gotta see what we get out of this. Yeah. We need, we need supplies. We need, we need things. He forgave me for trying to rob him, and that's a start. We're, we have no, we have no money to We invest. have no money to my, I have, I have, I don't know if, if they don't know let's, where Gary, Indiana is, I don't think United States currency is gonna fly here. Let's see. <laughs> Try to give him my visa. Let's see what he wants. Okay. I, let's see what he wants. All right. Okay. That's your wife's visa also, George. Thank you. <laughs> no. no. As your group turns around, you see now not only is he even more shimmering, but he has somehow managed to do an entire exfoliation, like, routine during the time of that huddle. His face looks perfect. Crawford. Hello, boys. Crawford Mawson is intimidating. <laughs> so, uh, Gil walks up and says, I'm sorry, what was your name again? The name's Tad, son. He holds out his hand. Care for a shake? Uh, sure. Gil shakes his Careful. hand. It's a seven. <laughs> Your hand is crunched into a tiny little... <laughs> it's all right. You'll get there, son. All right. So as I said, it's all about networking. Here at Doyle Co., we aim to buffet fine trades and fine wares. But like any business, we're on... We're, you know, starting out from the bottom. Old Tad here is many things, but, you know, a businessman, well, that's a new one to the list. You mentioned networking. Yes. What? You see... Doyle Co. aims to have depots just like this all around. But doing so takes a little bit of time. You see, I've got some fantastic goods to sell. I'm sure you boys noticed how quickly I arrived here when you hit my bell. Yeah, uh, were you, like, in the back room or something? I'm not going to go too much into the details of it, but suffice to say, the Doyle family line is purveyor of all sorts of strange, magical, and arcane arts that some might deem to be... unique. If you boys would do me a favor, he pulls out that same cash box that he took from Ucroft, sets it onto the table. If you boys would do me the favor of saying some magic words... I'm gonna show you a little trick. <laughs> Please, thank you, rock the. <laughs> Please, thank you, rock the. And as he says that, he taps his fingers on the cash box, and the lid opens, and there's a glimmering light from inside. Go ahead, boys, take a look. Uh, yeah, I guess Gil will look, take a look. As Wilker offered, you see four immaculate leather. Instrument straps. All tailored to fit shape and size of whatever instrument it is you may indeed be playing. There is a, uh, in brass, an embroidered logo made out of brass studs. Says TD on it. Tad Doyle. Yes, Tad Doyle. Says these are for you, boys. Use them well. And when you wear them, if you could let some people know where you got them from, well, that's a great start into getting the name out there. I'm inclined to agree. Fantastic. Well, then, as a token of my appreciation, these are yours, boys. So, uh, these instrument straps, uh, when you have them equipped, they add a plus one to any performance check made with your instrument specifically. So, George is going to roll a, um, <clears throat> a perception to um, analyze the quality of this leather work. Oh, yes, as a tanner. Seven. All right, George, where on a scale of 1 to 10 do you rate your uh, your tanning abilities? Uh, I mean 10. 
Okay, 10. George is an excellent tanner. He just has no motivation. Then by God, you've just seen your first 11. <laughs> Yeesh. You like that, do you? I couldn't have done it any better myself. Old I, family secret. I, I own a small business myself. Oh, then you I, understand the difficulty. I, I work in leather. Oh. Yes, very, 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 very fine work. Of course, always. I take That's a, a good laugh. I take a swig <laughs> of my last drink. Ah. A purveyor, I see. A proprietor. A uh, man who knows his way around the bottle. Yes. Fantastic. You see, in another life, I too was once a vagrant to wash in alcoholism and shame. <laughs> but I'm sure you're on the upswing, my friend. And with that, he pats you hard on the back. Well, boys, thank you for taking your time to peruse my wares, even though they're non-existent. But the point is, we made a connection. What's it all about, my friend? And he puts his hand on you, Craw. What's, what's it all about again? Networking. It's all about networking, boys. Ah. Oh. But I can hear a bell off in a distant location. Alas, I must go. We will meet again. And remember, tell them you got those straps at Doyleco. And he is gone. That was a strange, but kind of pleasant. That man is a weird man. Uh, these are nice straps. These are very nice straps. Very Trust me, nice. you could not find any better. These are and Gary and fantastic. Gary. No, no, you couldn't. And uh, as you equip your new straps, you trek up the steep hill next to the depot. When you arrive at the summit, you look down into the valley and see the beautiful little Dutch wonderland village of Rosewood. Yeah, it's a nice looking town. It's a nice looking town. And, uh, you know, hopefully they have a tavern. And uh, hopefully we find a... Hopefully you find what we're looking for. And uh, since we don't have any money, you guys want to suck it. You know, I thought of an idea. <coughs> what was your idea? <laughs> He's going to go do his own thing. We're musicians, right? We play music for... Why don't we just play music for money? Oh. You mean like busking? I mean, yeah. Oh, it's been a while since I busked. <laughs> for, for the record, Gil doesn't know what that word means. Nor does, uh, nor does Cross. He said yes anyway. We, we can go to a tavern, though, and see if he'll pay us to play. You know, we can busk out some For you, he can pay you in alcohol, That's and the rest of us can pay us in food and sleep. It's a bold plan. Let's I, find out. I, I like it. I mean, we, I mean, what other option do we have here? Do you really think that they'll hire four busk boys, though? George, George looks at you and just turns back to Benedict. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do it. Let's go, okay. let's go down in town. Good. All right. And the group that is breaking wind still makes their way towards <laughs> town. Still breaking wind. Oh, back again here, Billy Cauliflower. Uh, breaking news. The fire still erupting at the mysterious Denny's. It has appeared and rocked the town of Gary, Indiana. I have an exclusive interview here with a uh, band, local band, Breaking Wind. Uh, all well-known members of the community. And apparently they were there at the scene when the uh, the fire broke out. And they have decided, or rather elected, to share some information with us. First of all, thank you for being here in the studio. Uh, you young... Gentleman, right here next to me. Uh, f- first off, what is your name, sir? And can you tell me when you were inside this building, did you see how the fire might have began? We're hearing various different reports here. Thank you, William. This is George Jordson of Breaking Wind. We were in the Denny's when when everything transpired. Oh my gosh! 
There were some figures in cloaks. They caused quite a ruckus. Quite a ruckus. Any any more details there? Or? No. Okay, okay. Well, I, I see the gentleman uh, next to you, a little bit older of a fella. I, I believe we've met before, actually. I think you might have uh, you might have been there for my uh, daughter's christening a couple years back. Uh, th- this is uh, is Benedict, correct? I was there, um, Benedict McIntyre, drinking my coffee. Didn't see too much of what was uh, occurring. I'm a regular at this Denny's. You know, it's 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 a staple of the community. Really? A, a regular? Well, uh, excuse me asking there, Benedict, but uh, you, you, as far as I'm aware, this Denny's is new. It seemed to appear almost o- overnight. You say you've been going there for some uh, some time? Well, William, maybe you just weren't aware. Maybe I just... Oh, well, this, this mystery's getting deeper and deeper as time goes on, I tell you. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, o- o- over here, uh, th- this is a face, you know, Gary, Indiana would be nothing without this. He's the owner of the local Gary Bar, uh, and I, 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 j- I just gotta ask you, sir, I gotta ask, while your band was inside this here Denny's, other than what your friends have pointed out here, did you notice anything strange? Any any anything that seemed out of place? Because this blaze, you know, no matter what we do, we can't seem to be putting it out. Uh, authorities are wondering if maybe there's a situation here with a gas leak or something more might be involved. This doesn't seem like an ordinary fire. Well, I, Krama, know exactly what I think happened. <coughs> oh, thank goodness. Somebody put water into the fryer. Water into the there was a big old explosion of grease and water, and there was a grease fire. Grease fire. Then the systems went off. The the systems. Guys outside with their hoods and their. I just went back to my, just went back to my grease, trying to clean up the grease. Trying to clean up the grease's. This is getting more and more... See, I was in the back because I needed to borrow some oil, and I noticed that somebody put water into the fryer. And cost a grease fire. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I see. Um, uh, to your right here, are we, uh, fine, fine young gentleman. I'm well acquainted with your parents, by the way, and they're so thankful that you are, you are okay, sir. Um, let, let me ask you, well, I, I guess the only other question would be: Was there anybody else inside this here, uh, this Denny's? I, uh, I, I'm getting a little confused about uh, the timeline of events. Hello, I'm Gil Albright, the final star burning out in the night sky, and that fire behind us is what will happen to Gary. It represents everything that is about to come. Can I, uh, can, can I get a, can I get a cut on that, uh, cast and crew, cut, cut? Alright, so your group begins trekking their way down the, uh, long, somewhat steep 
uh, trail into the small hamlet. Uh, this is indeed another clearing. As you're heading down, uh, the sides of the hamlet are uh, wrapped with trees, so they obviously built a town into this area, cleared some trees. You don't see any trees inside the town. The light hits against you. It is warm. It is humid. Uh, you look to your left and right, and you see what look to be some old fields, like maybe this was kind of like a farmland or like a plantation land at one point in time, but it is no longer used. As you pass on your right, uh, you see a large building, almost looks like what you would imagine the most like storybook museum to look like, you know, whatever went in the back of your mind, like when you first learned about museums, whatever that image is, uh, surrounded by black iron bars. And there is a bridge that goes over the creek that bisects the town. Uh, guys, you, I, I think we still go look for a tavern first. I and mean, that big building's interesting. You, uh, you do not see anybody out and about, uh, which you might find a little bit strange. You do see, like, open windows on some of these buildings. But the only thing you really hear is the quiet babbling of the brook nearby. But you, being you, George Georgeson, you, you smell a little something. Oh yeah, you smell some little, little, uh, you know, little acrid, little. Uh, so, uh, can I can I roll something to follow that scent? Yeah, you, you know what? I think you can. Uh, I, I think we're gonna That'd be a survival for you. Yeah, we're gonna for you. It's absolutely <laughs> a survival, and in fact, I'm gonna have you roll it at advantage right. because this is the uh, the benefit to your alcoholism is that it is self serving very well. Seventeen. All right. So as you're as you're you know sniffing around the air around you, and you you guys can all see him literally sniffing the air. Do you react to this at all? Uh, no, Crawford Crawford's familiar with addiction. <laughs> you know, he goes like, "What do you smell, George? What, what do you smell, boy? What do you smell? <laughs> Booze. <laughs> is it vodka? Uh, with, with that roll, in fact, you, you know exactly what this is. What you're smelling is whiskey. Not my favorite, but it's whiskey, boys. It's oh. coming over the bridge." From the large building on the other side. George starts heading to the source. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah, Gil follows. Yeah, let's go. I trust him. All right, as you step onto the wooden bridge overlooking the brook, uh, you can hear you can hear it babbling underneath. It's not very long, maybe a 15-foot-long bridge. The wood creaks, the black ebony wood creaks as you walk over. This is a nice bridge. If anyone here is a fan of bridges, you could acknowledge this is a nice bridge. I'm a fan of cantilevers. <laughs> and walking over it, you see uh, a building on the left. There is smoke coming out of the uh, chimney at the top of it. And, George, you're well aware that whatever you're smelling... It'd be over yonder inside there. All right, I, t- I turn to the group and say, we found the tavern. Go on, boy. Go to her. <laughs> you, you want me? I... So wholesome, you know, encouraging your friend's self-destroying habits. Hey, this is a matter of survival, okay? <laughs> As you uh, set foot on the porch of the tavern, making your way towards the door, you do hear a voice come around from the corner of the building. And you turn to your right, and you see, leaning against the wall on the porch... He's a short little man, yet another dwarf. Dark-skinned, his hair white and aged. Uh, he seems to be wearing some uh, official-looking clothes. Pretty nice-looking clothes. They're a little poofy. Old school. And he looks up at you. He's got rings on his fingers. Well, your face I ain't never seen around the likes of Rosewood before. Pleasure to meet you. My name's Bradford. Bradford, we've, hand and we've, we've never been there. We've never been here before. That's why I don't recognize us. Uh, I gather that much. Uh, you, you four boys together. 
We're a band. Uh, oh, a band! A traveling musician. His eyes light up. <laughs> you see, we have not had uh, any hoo-rah-rahs or hoot-nannies or hullabaloos here in Rosewood in a long time. Let me ask you, boys, do you play? Oh, we play. Are you Are you the owner of this fine establishment? I am not the owner of this fine establishment, but I am the mayor of Rosewood. Uh, I'm about the only option for mayor because I'm about the only one here who can remember when it was built. Uh, Bradford is the name that they call me. Bradford, pleased to meet you all indeed. Well, you boys look famished. Would you like a bite? Oh, what's on the uh, what's on the menu, sir? Oh, I don't know what uh, they got going up in there. Uh, you see, the woman who owns this establishment, we call her Josie, but boys, I do not recommend doing that on your first meeting. Is she a real pussycat? Rolling innuendo. <laughs> Holy fuck. Five. Well, son, I'm not sure what you're getting at, but I can promise you that she is not a feline. Uh, it was a uh, reference to a fictional character. In fact, speaking of, speaking of strange things, what are all of you fine folks? If you don't mind me being so bold, you're most certainly not a dwarf, and I do not think you to be elves. Oh, man folk. We're humans. Humans. Man folk. Oh, lordy. I do not believe that we have ever had the pleasure of having manfolk here in Rosewood. Welcome, welcome. And he goes around and he shakes all of your hands excitedly. Well then, I tell you what, you boys go on inside. You said you can play a little music? Mm, sure can. All Everything right. for a price. Tell you what, how about you get a little rested in a few hours here? Points back to the, the northernmost side of town before the tree wall kind of a... Uh, uh, comes back into view. We have an old stage over there that hasn't been used in quite some time, but I believe you boys could put on a heck of a show. Now, there aren't many of us left here in the hymnal these days, especially in Rosewood, but uh, I promise you, all of us who are here, we, we do so love to hear music. We would be honored if you would allow us to be your audience. What kind of music would your, your, the folks of this village like to hear? He, he leans back and smiles and says, Oh, Oh, the only music that truly strums my soul and the soul of these villages here is the blues. That's what I thought. Well, boss, you go on in there, you tell old Josie that I sent you on in. Welcome to Rosewood. But before you do, please uh, do make sure that you refer to her by name and title. You see, she is the matron of these parts, and she would like to always be reminded of that. What's her name and title again? I, I, I stepped over your title, sir. Her, her full name is Josegraft the wash tanker. Now, I know that might not sound flattering. I don't know. Would you boys like a lesson in dwarf culture? Yeah. Oh. Sure. Could you give yeah. me the abridged version? Well, uh, yeah, being men folk, this might be strange to you. Uh, the abridged version is that we tend to take names from the things that we do and the things we are known from, and we are very proud of those names. So while it might not seem much to you, when it comes to washing the tankards and running the bars, let me tell you there's none better than Josie. So she is proud of that name, Josie Graft, the wash tankard. Uh, I honestly thought you were going to tell me she was a skin grafter. <laughs> uh, the mayor looks over at you, Benedict, and points at Crawford. Is this one a little touch in the head? Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. call. Yep. Yes, he smiles at you. Yes, yes. Skin grafting is a thing and is funny. <laughs> well, I'm going to get word around town that we have some visitors here in Rosewood. Make yourselves at home. Sounds good. Ta-ta for now. Lights himself up a nice cigar and walks off of the porch into the town. 
George turns to the group and uh, says, "He seemed like a really nice fella." Yeah, he seems like a good guy. Yeah. All right, let's go get a uh, gig. So that's nice. Let's go get ripped up and uh, play this town some music. Absolutely. George heads into the tavern, ripping, raring, ready to drink. Is, is anyone else, all the confidence in the world? Anyone else a little concerned? He uh, didn't know that we were humans. He says he has. They, have, they don't think I've ever had a human here. I'm not gonna lie. I was a goat at one point today. So like, I, I, anything's fine. At this point, I know we're not in Gary, Indiana, but you know, you I just think I've we're just in Kansas. To accept it. Are we in Kansas anymore? We, we were never in Kansas. It's a Wizard of Oz joke. George doesn't get the joke. <laughs> George has never seen the Wizard of Oz. You never. He's never read the book either. Nope. Oh jeez, it's a book. You uncultured motherfuckers. So as you set foot into the tavern, when you throw the door open, you notice two things immediately. One, uh, there's not a single person in this place save for a a very uh, tired-looking and also kind of stern-looking dwarven woman behind the counter. She is currently polishing tankards at a breakneck speed, uh, similar to what you saw with Iron Rod Toneman, how he was quickly able to make things. She doesn't even look up at you as you come in. Uh, the inside of this tavern itself, it looks almost more like an old boathouse, right? Like it's kind of ramshackle put together. You got different tools hanging on the walls. There are some seats here and there. There are stairs heading upwards. You can see a cellar door back behind the counter. And everything in here kind of smells a little musty with a slight tint of booze. George um, forgot her name. Um, so he, he knows based on what the mayor said that she likes to be treated with respect. At least that's what he gathered. I and can tell you that her first name's Josegraph. Yep. Yep. You lost me. <laughs> and, um, so he's, I'm just going to roll a charisma here and try to charm the counter. Yeah. Um, All right. Roll you are currently drunk. Yes. Um, I believe so. Yeah. Cause I finished the last that was in my, my flask, but All right. we drank still, on our way here. Yeah. Uh, so, do we still have I, Well, I drank the last with Tad Doyle. We do. So I, I still would be at my functioning level of drunk. Yeah. Do this do this with uh with advantage. Okay. This is literally what you do. Yes. <laughs> Alright, 23. 23. Um, as I approach the bar, I say, ah, my most gracious madame. I would like a pint of your finest mead and two shots of whiskey, my dear lady. She looks up at you, and you can see the look on her face. She looks like she's about to make a cold remark back, but when she just gets a hold of that beautiful smile you got going on your face with your... Uh, is, is Jerry Curls a good descriptor? They, they kind of look like Braid with a thick broom handle mustache. She looks up, and she sees that dashing smile and that illustrious and volumetric, oddly bulbous orange hair. She, uh, she softens a bit. She says, well... I suppose y'all best pull up some bar stools if you're gonna be drinking. What brings you here? She looks you over. Same. Humans? Humans? We are. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. It's been a long time. All right. Uh, what brings you here? Humans. And she sets down a couple of glasses as well as some bottles. What was it you asked for again? A pint of your finest mead. Ah, a pint. And two of- shots of whiskey. Well, I don't have mead. from... Oh, uh, we've got the whiskey. I have no mead. we got two options here when you come to my place. We got whiskey. We got grog. I just say, I say, that's simply beautiful. <laughs> I'll take a pint of grog and two shots of whiskey. She puts down a, 
a big old pint of grog. It comes in pints, <laughs> as well as several uh, flagons of whiskey. Uh, whatever is in the whiskey here, it has almost like a honey sort of sweetness smell to it. So now all this is made local, homegrown, home grain, all of it. We like to take care of ourselves here in Rosewood. We are not reliant upon anybody. Or at least we have not been for quite some time. Local IPAs, that. huh? Yeah. George immediately just back-to-backs the two shots. <laughs> wow. He needs to take his medicine. Yeah. It is his medicine. Oh, you've got I I see. I see. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, where, where you come from, alcoholism is still a problem, isn't it? It, it uh, oh, runs yeah, rampant. I turn to the group and say, well, how do you guys feel about me when I'm sober? You're a real fucking douche. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen you sober. I, 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 you came into my bar sober, and I wouldn't serve Uh So, boys, what brings you to Rosewood? Uh, Gil kind of pushes the glass away from him. Are you not going to drink that? Uh, no, I'm good, I'm good. George takes that. <laughs> anyway, uh, we, we, were, we were passing through, and we... Well, we're, we're a band, do you see? Oh, we haven't had one of those in a long time. That's what Mayor Bradford was saying. Oh, you met Bradford. Her eyes kind of, like, do a little... Oh, Bradford, the yeah. Direction. Did he now? Oh. There was a lovely woman we needed. Oh, oh, oh. oh isn't that that old? Mm-hmm. Well, if you've met Bradford, then I guess I don't need to say it. Welcome to Rosewood. So how'd you get here? Because you, you, you said you're passing through, but the only uh, the, the, the only gate into the hymnals kind of here. I would have seen you come through the village. So we were in Gary, Indiana. We, we didn't... I don't know if we need the whole story. Maybe passing through isn't quite quite the right word. More like a crashing in. Yeah, crashing in is probably a better way to Crashing say. in. Yeah. So we fell out of the sky. We we met a we met a guy, gave us uh some some flying vehicles that were our instruments. We kind of crashed, landed, and uh, met some people, and now we're here. The look on her face as you're telling the story is you get the sense that not only does she not believe you, but she's like worried that you she might have misjudged and you might actually be the alcoholic in the group. Like uh yeah the uh-huh. Yeah, the what was his name? The the Wraith Child. And uh, he he said uh, we should go there. I don't I'm I don't here. know any Wraith child. But it sounds like somebody from outside the hymnal. That's that that much You know of a Missy? Madame Missy? You mean Mrs. Strong? Mrs. Strong's, yes, that was the, the old Madam's name. Madam Strong? Yeah, I mean, Mrs. Strong's. Well, what do you? She sent what us. What are you asking about the history for? Like what? She sent us. She sent. Oh, pretty much. Yeah. Well, pointed us in this direction, but pretty much, yeah. She leans over to Benedict. Excuse me, sir. Scale, scale of one to ten for me. How how dull are these boys? As a group or individually? <laughs> yes. Simple Zach. <laughs> yes. I mean, overall, I'd give him maybe a five or a six. Mm. All right. That's above average. Well, boys, I, I don't know how, quite how to say this, but Missy Strom's been dead for at least two, three generations. Yeah, this, she was a uh, a tree at first, or like a stump, and then she was kind of a... I feel as though you've had a long, long day, boys. Uh, Missy Strom's used to... Well, she was one of the founders of this village, and she, uh, well, when the troubles all started between the hymnal and the rest of those, uh, degenerate musicians, she, uh, 
no, she just her old heart couldn't take it. Uh, Miss Strum's buried out there with uh, all of our great forefathers out in the old blessing. They what now? Yeah, she's buried out in the old that graveyard blessing. over there. We just talked to her. Yeah, at least someone who was calling her. Well, I mean, we saw it. We saw a train disappear into the wind. So I figured her disappearing into the wind probably ghosts. Ghosts can't be real. You're questioning ghosts being real in a world where you've seen me turn into a goat. Yes. Keep drinking. Do, do you know a guy named Ironrod Toneman? She stops washing the one tankard and sets it down and looks up at you. You say Ironrod Toneman? Yeah. Why, yes, I know Ironrod Toneman. I have not seen him in a very long time. He was heck of a guy. Was? Well, he still is. I'm sure he's out there somewhere. He, uh, he's a hell of a musician. You know, uh, the sounds he brought out here to the hymnal brought people in far and wide to come listen, come see, dance, play, sing along. But I heard he hung, hung that old mouth hop up. Uh, you mean, well, you mean. we, we kind of met him and, and Gil reaches into his pocket and pulls out the, uh, gateway harp. kind of met him and he gave us his heart her eyes go wide and she like actually like steps back for a moment she says I'll be damn you boys is a real deal Jeez. And th- did I hear you say you came in on a train yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. the Betsy also a go- ghost train ghost train kind of transparent tell you telling me that the old Betsy Freight is up and running again she is up and running yeah at least for us there's a few impediments but we, we got through most of them yeah, yeah. She looks back at you, Benedict. I take back whatever I said about these boys being dullards. Don't, don't take back all of it. <laughs> I take back most of what I said about them. <laughs> well, boys, I heard about bunnies. This is this is wonderful news. We haven't we haven't seen or heard that train coming and going anywhere in quite some time. Please tell me, boys, are you are you staying here for the night? Are you are you staying for a while? Well, actually, plan to put on a show. Yeah, we were hoping Fantastic. to play and make some money because we kind of have none. Yeah, we're kind of missing our friends. Well, I can't help you too much there. You see, uh, we uh, we 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 had our own currency once here in the hymnal, but the problem is when nobody be coming and going from the hymnal doesn't quite mean all that much. So we just tend to do what we do for you. What if we could get the people coming and going again? Well, that would all be well and good, but then there's the question of safety. Where you're, you your- see, follow me, boy. She walks over to the, the windows, looking out over the town, and she points. And you can see where she's pointing at the far end of the town, near the, the what looks to be an old stable and maybe a field. Uh, there is a large wooden gate built into the line of trees. I, I shouldn't say built into the line of trees. Like there's the On the edge of town, there's a small palisade wall, wooden palisade wall. There's a gate there leading out into the trees. She says, boys... Those gates have been closed for quite some time. It's not safe here anymore. It's not safe letting others in from the outside. There was a time when all the different players and all the different bands and all the strummers could get along before it got to be all factionized. Well, that's the reason there's not many people left here in the hymnal. Last time we opened those gates, well, there were a whole lot more of us back then. I do miss those days, though. So you're saying the hymnal just basically isn't what it used to be. More than that, I feel like people might have lost the whole, might have lost the whole plot. You know, music should be about expression. You know who's great at expressing themselves? Hmm. 
Tad Doyle at Doyle Co. Tad Doyle at Doyle Co. I do not believe I've had the pleasure of meeting such a man. Well, if you ever see yourself a bell that looks just right, ring it and he'll come. I'll remember that. Thank you. You're welcome. We met him on our way here, too. Well, boys, uh, my doors are always open. I'll be fixing up some supper later. After your, your little hoot nanny you said you're putting on, I see, uh, she looks out the, the window and points down, I see, uh, old Bradford there is getting the stage set up for you boys. Fantastic. Now let me ask, after you play the show here and we have ourselves a little rowdy dow, bring a little lightness here to Rosewood, what are, what are your plans? You looking to, looking to stay? Well, we're trying to find our manager. Have, have you, as a... You said we're the first humans you've seen in a while? Yes, in quite in two or three generations. So I doubt you've seen Kitty pass through here then. I have not seen any cat. Uh, her name's Kitty. Well, oh, well, no, then I have not seen any, any humans named Kitty. Alright. Versus. Well, you know, if, if you're looking for someone from the outside, my accent just changed. If you're looking for someone, yeah. <laughs> You know, <laughs> hey, you know, if you want to get outside, <laughs> if you're looking from somewhere outside, <laughs> Jeez, now I've totally lost it. You know, if you're looking for someone from the outside, we do have someone in our village who is very knowledgeable about such things. Yes, uh, you, you might want to be talking to old Swampy. Swampy, Swampy. When when y'all came in, did you come uh, from the old? Train Depot up the top of the hill. Yeah, that's oh, where so we found Tad Doyle's bell. Interesting. I haven't seen that depot operating in a long time. Uh, you walk down that way. Do you see the big old house on the right? When you first enter in the village, we have a gate around. It's very nice. Yeah. You have? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's old Swampy's house. You see, uh, old Swampy, he's uh, he's our village's tone man. So tone man's a title. Oh, yes. Well, the the, the, the the keeper of knowledge, keeper keeper of our stories, keeper of the tone, like a like a scribe. Yeah, swampy tone. Okay. Oh, all right. Okay. I thought you boys knew that. You met old old, old Iron Rod. I thought. I thought it was honestly just strange coincidence. Oh no, Brad, Iron Rod Bradford back in his day was a tone man. Yeah, but dwarves are named after what they do. I know. Uh, so I guess it makes sense now. It's the kind of day where you like you hear it, but you don't retain it. <laughs> yeah, old Iron Rod, he was a tone man at least a long time ago, but he ain't he ain't really been quite some time. Old Swampy though, he knows all the with the twos and why fours about what's going on in and around the hymnal. That's one problem. He's not here right now. Well, where where where, where may he be? You know. I'm not actually, I'm not really sure. He's always coming and going, heading into the woods, getting some things, doing some things. But he's been gone a few days. You know who might know, though? I don't know if you saw in the, kind of in the back corner of the village when you're coming in, we uh, we have a little bit of a farming area. Oh, I grew up on a farm. I love myself a farm. Uh, roll bluff. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, 14. Oh, a farm boy. Yeah, you look you look to be the sword to do some hard work. Mm-hmm. I love hard work. Love hard animal work on the farm. She looks at you and feels as though that the farm you're speaking of is not what she had in mind. <laughs> and now we're on a list somewhere. We like um, to plow fields on my farm. See, that, uh, that old farm down there, we used to have horses and 
all sorts of animals. Nowadays, though, it's more just for sustenance, you know, our pigs, our cows, our chickens, our, our glory flambas, that sort of thing. What, uh, what but, might I ask you, is it a chicken? They don't have chickens with you, boys. Oh, they, they do. I was being quite. What is it, a glory flamba? A glory flamba. Yeah. yeah. What is that? You, you boys don't know what a glory flamba is? Yo, unless I can't understand your accent. A glory flamba. Yeah. I want to hear you say it, so I know what's going on. Floppa. Glory Floppa. Glory Floppa. There you go. Uh, well, if you don't have them where you come from, do you have, uh, probably don't have pig schwampus either. Y'all boys got, uh, you got capybaras? Yes. Yeah. I don't know what happened to my accent. It's just gone. Imagine a capybara, but also much, much smaller. Like a guinea pig. Sort of. Okay. Okay. You know, venomous, but yeah. Uh, right. Noted. Thanks. Good yeah, to don't. Well, all of, all of our alcohol is made with the glands from the Gloid Flomper. That's what you're drinking right now. You're literally drinking Gloid Flomper's ass. I think I'm going to cut. Right. Well, then. Oh. Sorry. Cr- cr- fun fact. Crawford uh, anyways, to eat a- she's, uh, she's specifically talking to uh, Gil right now. She senses that you're kind of the leader of this group. That old... Uh, <laughs> old stables there, uh, run by Wendell. Wendell. Doesn't quite have a title yet. He's pretty young. Uh, his, his, his father used to be the stable master. He was Wendell Stableman. But, uh, unfortunately, old, uh, old Rydell Stableman, uh, went up himself and died. He was old. He was around for four generations at least. It happens. His son Wendell's taken over, but, you know, uh, he, uh, he was pretty close to old Swampy there. I always said that Wendell wanted to be uh, his, his squire almost, like he wanted to learn from him. So if anyone knows where old Swampy went, he'd be the one. Wendell. Well, thank uh, you. That'd be my suggestion. We can talk to him after the concert. Well, I have a question about the no currency things. How, how, do, how does how do patrons pay for drinks? Oh, yeah. they don't. I just I make what I make, and each day when I'm out, I'm out. Oh, well, can you fill up my flask? Absolutely. Why, why thank you. Now, I'll take the whiskey. Roll a roll a perception. Okay. Benedict turns to Gil and is like, "This may be a bad thing." Seventeen. Seventeen. All right, you beat me by one. Uh, you see that she's about to pour water into your glass. I'm gonna roll a charisma here, and that's an at one. All right, say what you're gonna say, say to stop her, but remember you are pretty shit faced. Oh, hey there. I I know that's water, and uh, I, <laughs> I wanted the whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> you see her look up. She looks you dead in the eyes. She puts her fingers in like a flicking motion. Does a, she, does quick, she does a quick snap. See a little speckle of gold or brass colored dust kind of appear between her fingers. And in an instant, George, you are asleep face first into the counter. I think he's going to need to rest. I, I think so, too. Now, you were talking about back in the day... Think you did have currency. Now, what I wanted to know is, was that banknotes or music notes? Ooh. Oh, man. I'm sorry. I, I took I took psychic damage from that one. Uh, and with that, uh, with that, she says, "Well, boys, I encourage you to uh, why don't why don't you uh, let him take a little rest? If you're gonna be putting on a show, I'm sure that you'll see uh, old Window there tonight." Why don't you rest your legs? Rest your bones. We got a fire going. It'll be a, about an hour or so before he's got the stage all set up. I'll sit, I'll sit back. I'll have another. You know, Benedict will get a thing of grog and sit, ne- sit next to Passed Out George.
George. George, George, wake up. Uh, Benedict waves a little uh, shot of whiskey in front of George's face. Uh. There you go. Uh, yeah, okay. We got, okay. We got the show coming up. Uh. All right. Got the show, all right. Uh, George George takes the drink, knocks it back. <sighs> and uh, immediately revitalized, back to back awake. Excellent. How, how long was I out? Yeah, about an hour. About an hour? We'll do that show soon. I, I think you'll do fine. Look around Look around for everybody else, the other two band members, uh, Craw and, and Gil. Yeah, they're over there. Okay, I'm going to re- reorient myself here then. Yeah. It's a nice little town. Yeah, uh, whiskey's not bad. Yeah? Oh. I haven't had the whiskey. I've been most drinking the grog. Not the worst I've had. It's the worst. It's grog's grog. It's about the same everywhere. It's, it's, it's been around. Not, and it's not grog anymore. It's true. How, how, is, how is the uh, the alcohol and the nom? I don't really want to talk about it, to be honest with you. Huh. It's a lot of a lot of memories you're trying to bring up. Listen, we're in this town. Nice little town. Play some music. Honestly, we could stay here because there is no currency. That's true. I don't know. That is nice. You know, not to pay for anything. It's just like a commune or something. Where does she get the materials to make it? How do they grow it? I don't I did, that on the con. I don't even remember what the hell it was called. They want animal earlier. That's how they make the alcohol, at least. I must have been too drunk to hear that. Hey, probably. <sighs> well, all right. So we're gonna play a show. All right. All right. In agreement on this, play oh, the show. Oh yeah. That was that was the plan. Talk to the kid who doesn't have a name yet. Wait, what? The kid who doesn't have a jaw. You were too drunk. Okay. Hey, there's a kid who might know where. Oh, you, you were too drunk for most of that conversation, weren't you? His name Wendell. There's a guy we're looking for called Stormy Tone Man. Sorry. Swampy Tone Man. Swampy Tone Man. Is that Iron Rod Tone Man's brother? No relation as far as I'm aware. I'm not going to ask. Yeah, that's weird. Right, we're looking for him. Okay, okay. All right, I'm all caught up now on the plan. This sounds... sounds Stop on everything that's going on and... <sighs> I, order, I order some more whiskey. She's back at the counter. Do you want to wave her over? Yeah. I don't... I don't... Like, you're pretty liquored up. I don't know, man. And, uh... But I did just sleep for an hour. I don't know if that that's how that works. All right, I... I, I, you're right. We got a show coming up, and sometimes I got to be responsible. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I, I you're should good. be okay. You're good when you play drunk. You're better, in fact. That's why I want some more. When you play sober, you're you're not that great. I know. That's why I want more. I know, but there is a level where you become awful. You take that back. No, you just don't remember it. Take that back <laughs> right now. No, no, no. You just have. You just don't have any memory of it. Because that's when you're about to pass out. Well, if I don't remember it, it didn't happen. Once again, not how that works. All the universe. It's not a lie if you believe it. <laughs> Once again, still not how that works. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm gonna demote you to a four on the intelligence thing if you're oh, not careful no. here. <laughs> Ooh, Gil, this uh, drink's not bad. Not the best, but it's not bad. Gil stares at his, his glass, still hasn't tried it. So hey, I'll, I'll take your word on that, Craw. How about, how about a water? Uh, yourself a water. You know, yeah. And, and motions for uh, uh, let's Josie. Motions for Josie. Hey, excuse me. Can, can I get some water? Josie looks up at you. Well, of course, you sweet summer child. Would you like an apple to go with it, son? You know, yeah, sure. I am kind of hungry. <laughs> you, you serious now? <laughs> All right. <laughs> she, she, man, she puts an apple up. Would you like for me to get a knife so you may carve it for yourself? No, I'm good. Thank you, though. Okay. 
Now, all right. We're performing a show tonight. Damn it, we need to make sure we perform it well. Yeah, yeah. Do you uh, have any songs in mind? Well, probably get a set list ready. Yeah, yeah, I don't think we've discussed it with the boys, so... Something bluesy, so we'll play what, play what we played earlier, for starts. Hmm. And I mean, blues is pretty simple enough, I'm sure you can... I'll play those scales, you, you can improvise well yeah, enough. We can figure it out. Sing about how you miss your old woman. I do miss Heather. Mm, I bet you do, I... She's doing well. You know, I'm sure she is, back down in uh, Gary, Indiana. But, uh, just, you're looking a little glum. I'm sure I did my part there. However, you gotta, you gotta be confident. You gotta be the best goddamn frontman we've ever had. You're the only frontman we've ever had. The best frontman that you can be. Right. All you can be in this, 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 this group. You know what? You're right, Craw. I, uh, yeah, I, I don't think I should be too caught up on the name, on the name thing. I, I, I don't know why I'm so attached to it. I mean, you, you guys I definitely don't like it. You know, it's like I always say, name. <laughs> I, I, he is so hurt. <laughs> Crawford puts his hand on a, on Gil's shoulder. It's, it's like I always say, you know, just like names are just letters and age is just a number. You know, nothing really works. Oh, my God. Uh, it's all only what you make it. You know, we can, we can enjoy the name or no, we can change the name. We can do whatever. But for now, all that matters is that we have a great show. And I know I'm confident. I need you to be rock fucking solid. <laughs> can you do this for me, Gil? Uh, Gil shakes his head just with, with a slightly newfound determination. He's like, yeah, 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 we got this. I got this. We can do this. You make Heather proud. You make Gary Indiana proud. And just as uh, your group is finishing, well, not not your group, as the two of you are finishing that conversation, you all see the door to the tavern open. And there stands Mayor Bradford. He said, well, hello there, boys. I believe we have an adequate stage set up for you, and I do not mean to uh, dissuade you from your choice, but you got the whole town as your audience. Now, now say again, boys, and he's asking the whole group of you. Now, son, did you get something to drink? Oh, I'm feeling right and dandy, Mr. Buford. Okay, good. Well, yeah, you know, boys, I'm not sure if you... You just call me Buford. That, 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 is, that is your name, is it not? It is, is Bradford. Oh, my apologies, Mr. Bradford. When I get saw stuff, I just... The names, they escape me. Mm, I, like I, Sam Bradford. I understand, son. Well, you know, you boys might have said, but I'm not quite sure if I recall. Um, what what is your band's name again? Oh, the bands? Yeah. Our band's name is... We are the Golden Gills. What? Bradford looks at y'all and he says, Ah, yes. So your name is the Golden Gills, you say. Fantastic. Well, I just wanted to let you boys know that the stage is all ready for you. 
We've even set up a little little bit of a green room. I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that term where you come from, but a little place where you can get yourselves together. And we really appreciate this, boys. We really appreciate you taking the time to share some music with us. It has been far too long since we've heard some good tunes here in the hymnal. So whenever you're ready, green room set. It's right by the stage, little shed right next to the stage. We're ready for you. And with that, uh, he steps out of the tavern and leaves you all standing there. Uh, Gil immediately turns to Kron and says, What the hell? Listen, man, it had to happen. You turned into this, like, dope-ass shining golden dragon. It was, it just it captivated me, man. The golden gills, dude. Statistically speaking, I think it's much better than Breaking Wind. Yeah. I couldn't think of anything better either, but... And, you know, I like it. And, and it still makes you the focal point. I, you can still shine bright. You can be the Ronnie James Dio of this group. I don't know about all that. I don't know about that either, but... Let's just go to the green room. <laughs> Before this escalates any further. Gil, you're a man. You're a front man, all right? This name describes that, okay? Gil, you're a god and I am not. And I just wanted you to know... Gil, how do you feel about the name change? G- Gil is uh, very confused right now. He's, he's starting to get a little bit of a big head, <laughs> I guess, from all the from everything about it. He hasn't been this confused since grade school. Ugh. All right. Uh, so do you head to the green room? I- I'd say so. Yeah. At least Crawford Mawson heads to the green room. Uh, Gil- George follows Crawford. Gil, Gil stands there for stunned for a little bit, but eventually, eventually walks. Yeah. He gives he well, gives well, Gil a, a parting, you know, like kind of kind of slap on the, the back, yeah, uh, reaffirming like, trust me, kid. Benedict kind of hangs back with Gil for a second. And is like, listen, bud, it's still the same music, still the same soul. All right, just because the name changes doesn't mean much. Okay. Okay. I, yeah, I, yeah, you're right. George you're whispers right. to to Craw as well. Um, on the way there, I say, hey man, that was that was that was subtle. So that was good. I, I, Great name change. I really love it. I handed my flask. Uh, Crawford swigs some of that flask. It tastes off- absolutely awful. <laughs> he hands it back. He dies a little inside. <laughs> as we all do every day. All right, so as you step outside of the tavern... Crawford uh, doesn't actually it's drink. It's evening now, and you can see that uh, the whole crowd of the town, and by whole crowd, I mean maybe about 15 people, are gathered around the stage. There are some torches that have been uh, staked into the ground to kind of light the way. You immediately see the green room uh, he was talking about. There's a, a little shed right to the left of the stage with a uh, tall, lanky man standing in front of it, almost looking like a bodyguard. And as you come out of the tavern, uh, all of the townspeople turn around and applaud and cheer for you. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, guys, what song are we playing? <laughs> oh shit! That's a great question. Yeah, usually okay. we don't have to make our own set. Okay, guys, we have we have a golden op- a golden gill of an opportunity here. We can hear everything you're saying. Sidebar. Sidebar. Oh, Going band back huddle. To band huddle. Room. It's almost like there's a room for you to have this discussion in nearby. But what do I know? I'm just a dwarf child. We're new here, here, here. Through the green room. As you walk through the crowd, you uh, are stopped at the entrance by the tall, lanky man, and he looks at your group and says, Are you the band? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be us. I see. 
Well, my name is Eslar. I'm the proprietor of this here stage. It hasn't been used in quite some time, and I wanted to personally thank all of you for gracing us with your music. And as he says that, he steps aside and ushers you into the green room. When you walk into the green room, you see that it's literally just an old storage shed. Uh, It's maybe like 20 square feet. It's pretty tight. Uh, And it has a little walkway that leads up onto the stage. I know you'd like some privacy. And the door shuts. So, we have a golden gill of an opportunity here. They said the only guy who's been to the outside world in this town isn't here right now. We can literally play, like, any song that we know and like, and they'll think that we wrote it. I mean, yeah, I guess that's true. What They'll think we're the best musicians ever. Do you guys have any... What, what is the best song we all know? This is a very bluesy area, right? Yeah. They're going to want to blues music. Or is it, like, is it like going to, like, an Indian coming to America and eating Indian food? You know, why would you do that? Don't you want something... Do you want something different, or do you want the same thing you like, you know... Do we, so you're saying, do we do something authentic or something? Yeah, do we do something bluesy or do we do something that's not bluesy? You know, they like the blues, but do we introduce them to something else? What about, what about, hear me out, what about a synth take on blues? I mean, that would be great, but how am I going to get my synth to work? What, what am I going to plug it into? Maybe we could ask them something like that, yeah. It's at this moment that Gil realizes that his microphone has no power. Oh, you're not even sure if electricity exists out here. Uh, should, so, should we go get Eslar? We, stage. we should get Eslar. Honest, I, I, that guy creeped me out. He's like a crypt keeper. And, you know, I, I think he was just... Standing behind you. <laughs> I, 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 I just got a vibe of a person, and somebody's aged, I'll, older. I'll, I'll go ask Eslar if, if he might have something we can, we can work with. Is there something you need? Yeah, so... I was wondering, Eslar, uh, Gil sticks out saying, by the way, Gil Albright, I'm the, the front man for the band. He shakes your hand, and despite his lanky frame, you feel like your fingers crack oh, no. under the grip strength. Pleasure, Gil. Ah, gr- great handshake. Uh, so, Thank you. I was wondering if you had something uh, to help us power our instruments at all? Power your instrument? Yeah, with el- electricity? Well, you are from a different place, I've heard, so maybe it's a bit different there. But here in the hymnal, you are the surge for your instruments. Instruments. Creepy, what does that mean? (laughs) It means that you just need to play, and you let that spark shine through. So you're saying I just gotta feel it. Feel it and it'll happen. Yes, it's much like a bowel movement. Right on. I'm gonna go now. 23, skidoo. Skidoo, skidoo. And same to you? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, guys, so, uh, we just gotta feel the music, I think. What does that mean? Uh, you feel the music, George. Well, it's a metaphor. I mean, <laughs> so, so Eslar said it's like a bowel movement. It just, you, you, you just, just happens. Well, well, let's, can we, can we do a little test? I guess. Test it? Just, just, just start yeah. playing a little bit here. Right. No, nothing no, too loud. Like, keep it down. Like, keep it, you know. So, something well, we have to strain to do? Like, you need to see a doctor. <laughs> I eat a lot of cheese. Do you, do you drink water? 
What's water? Oh no. <laughs> oh buddy. Gil pulls out his mic and uh kind of flicks the the top we of it, see if it gets any sound out of it. No sound from the flick. Try singing. All right. How about some uh how about some uh George Thurgood? That's more like country rockish. Country rockish. I'm trying to think of something we all know. We could just be bad to the bone or some shit. Yeah, I mean, bad to the bone would be a great song to play. You do. Well, George will figure you, it out. You'll figure it out. Yeah. Right, I guess. I guess. I guess. Gil uh, takes his bike and focuses, closes his eyes, breathes in. <sighs> On the day I was born, this is a. Hold on right there, mister. You are about to violate copyright. You should absolutely be ashamed. Did your mother raise you to be a thief? Oh, what's that? She didn't. Well then, you should take a long, hard look in the mirror. You make me sick. Your whole podcast makes me sick. Good thing I can go to www.rr4initiative.com to leave you a review. Shame on you. Shame on your family. Most importantly, shame on your spirit. The end is coming. The blood moon is nigh. All hail the great old one. All hail the coming of the one who swims in the night. All infernum pax perfico. And right in the middle of your serenade, Gil, the door to the green room opens up. Is everything all right in here? I, I've heard that sound before, and hernias can be a very serious condition. Uh, yes, everything's fine. Uh, just a little, just a little stretching. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, did you feel it, Gil? Almost like you have your own in-ear system. You start to hear powered, clear tone coming through. All right, so yeah, I guess we just gotta gotta get into it. it. So you're getting the sense that yeah, you just you really need to put your heart into the performance for this to work. Let's not blow our load early, though, boys. Right, so what 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 song do we decide on that we're playing then? I gotta get my my well, set. How right. many songs we get? We're That's right. Are we doing a whole set? Or are we doing all right? How many bluesy songs do we know off the top of our head? None. Uh, George has no idea what blues music is. Well, I guess we just play what we're used to then. And all right, yeah, play. They don't like it. They don't like it. Uh, <laughs> That's usually how we approach. Kevin, this. as a player, has no idea. But can I roll a knowledge for Gil to see if he can think of some? Absolutely. All right. Let's go to seven. A seven. <laughs> Uh, you know exactly one blues song, and it's the one that was is in your set. So we, we guys, we could do we could do blue on black like we Ooh, did the other day. Could. We could do blue on black into black velvet. All right, sure. <laughs> All right, here's an idea. They like trains. I think seems very trainy. So right? I'm train. not playing anything by blues. Everyone, <laughs> <laughs> not train. Not, well, what about Long Train Running by the Doobie Brothers? You know that? Uh, okay. Yeah. okay, okay, okay. We can do that. Yeah. Okay, George, we, we, we get down with that. You should finish with that for as our that. first official song. Oh, yeah. I like four that. Songs. It's been a long day. Four songs is probably plenty, right? Four songs is good enough. All right, so we're thinking what? Bad to the Bone. We'll start out with Bad to the Bone. We'll test the waters. Test the waters. Like go, to, go to Blue on Black. And then Blue on Black to kind of, if they don't like the first one, they should like the second All right. And All right, you guys ready? I think we're ready. All right, so as you step out of the green room onto the small stage, uh, you get a bit of a familiar feeling in your gut. You know, this, this, this isn't a huge stage. you got enough room to move around. You are maybe five feet above the crowd. And again, it's not the hugest crowd, but you see in the eyes of these dwarves 
just a level of excitement that you haven't seen at one of your shows in a long, long time. You can tell immediately by looking at them that they are anticipating and they are also grateful for this. It must have really been a long time since they heard some music. A little song called Back to the Bone. Eric, I need you to roll a perform. You know this song like the back of your hand. And everyone else can roll a perform and just keep your numbers to yourself. It's going to be a 14. 14. Yeah, that's right. And without fail, all of your instruments begin emitting the sound. Does a couple flips, a couple uh, fisherman's doubles, uh, his signature move. <laughs> Shine bright. Ripping and tearing. Looking out in the crowd. For a brief, brief moment. Where you see Heather's face. Heather? Oh, that's a nat one. <laughs> and you fall face first off the stage and into the crowd. Oh, no. I love that tumble, baby. Keep on tumbling, man. So, Craw, uh, as you see Gil tumble off and you try and recover here, uh, you, you notice that the crowd looks back up at you instead of up at him. Roll a performance at disadvantage. You're feeling a little off your game. So the, the roll itself was a two, but a seven. So as you're trying to focus back on, you get in your own head a little bit. You're like, oh, come on, come on. And as you strum your D string, breaks. Is he getting up? Give us a second. Alright, stop. Everybody stop playing. 
We're gonna go. We're gonna go pick up our front man off the ground now. Stop playing. All the music uh, cuts out as you say that. As this is going on, you know, I, I apologize. I'm gonna roll a, 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 a charisma, I guess, just to be like, hey, you know, give us a second. You know, we, we haven't had an actual band performance in quite a bit. This is a new area to us, so we're just we're getting our bearings here. But just give us a, a brief intermission, and uh, we'll be right back. While uh, while he's doing that, Gil uh, uh, picks his head off the ground, kind of rolls onto his back, just like kind of staring up at the sky, thinking about. Did I just see Heather? I have fifteen. Fifteen. All right. So George, you you. I mean the the music has stopped, but you do kind of you you compose yourself a little bit, and you look down, and you see now that the crowd is kind of torn between looking up at you, listening to what you're saying, and also staring down at Gil, who is laying on his back, just staring up at the sky, looking like he's in disbelief. Uh, it is at this point that Mayor Bradford steps onto the stage. He says, oh, now hold on, folks. Hold on, folks. They're in a strange land. Let's give these boys some time. Let's give these boys... Maybe they need a little bit of a rest. We want to thank you boys anyway. It was, it was a good effort. It was a good effort. And he comes up to you, George, and Craw, and he puts his hands on your shoulders gives you a, a reassuring pat. I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have asked you to perform in a situation like this. This, this must be overwhelming for you. Goddamn string broke. Come come have a talk with me in the green room when you're ready. I think I think I might have a remedy for your situation. George, George uh, you know, gets down off the stage and, and helps up Gil. What happened? You you were you were on it, and then what what happened? I I thought I just saw Heather. George really doesn't know what to say to this because he I don't think he's ever felt this pure love that apparently Gil is radiating. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he he, but he he can kind of sympathize with like that he misses his girl, you know. So I'm like I I I, I understand, but. We just got to hold it together. We can't, we can't be having that. She's obviously not here. As you guys are having a discussion, uh, some of the members of the crowd, some of the older dwarven women, uh, actually come up to you, Gil, and hug you. And it's not necessarily a comforting hug, because as they pull away, you look at their eyes, and you can see that it's almost a look of pity. And that's that's got to be a gut punch. Yeah. And the crowd disperses, uh, leaving your group... Just alone on the stage. Uh, you can hear the hum of nighttime crickets all about. There's some fireflies in the air, and the wind just how gently many, blows. How many fireflies? Oh, so many you wouldn't believe your eyes. A million. <laughs> Benedict, Benedict comes up to everybody. He's like, guys, gather around. All right. Now, I know we haven't been through this as a band before, but this happens. All right. Sometimes shows go wrong. They go sideways. And Tonight we were the bronze gills, not the golden gills. I don't even think we made bronze. The point being, we'll bounce back from this, all right? It's not the end. One bad show is just one bad show. You got to pick yourself up and keep moving, right? Mm-hmm. Let's go see Mayor, what is it, Bradford Green Room, right? George, George, you know, this is like the most that Benedict, I think, has ever said to any of the <laughs> on the sitting. So, like, George really takes this to heart. Like, that, that meant a lot to George. He recognized <laughs> that he's the only one who'd been through this, and he knows how it feels. Yeah. He knows the feeling. You know, uh... With a rousing speech like that, Benedict, I, I want to give uh, everyone an inspiration. 
okay. Yeah, you, 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 that, that, that was very inspiring. I'm that was, that was a good talk. As you walk into the green room, uh, you see amazingly, and th- th- this shouldn't surprise you after seeing how quickly Iron Rod worked, uh, but you see that the mayor seems to have very quickly with scrap wood built a bench for your group to sit on, and he, he has built himself a chair. He says, oh, g- come on in, boys. Come on in. I'm, I'm, I'm real sorry that you had to go through this. I was a bit too eager, but uh, I, I'd like to have a talk with you. Have a seat. Have a seat. Go on, sir. As you sit down, uh, Mayor Bradford strokes his his long beard, kind of fidgets with it, and he looks not necessarily at you, but kind of through you. Boys, I know this must be an overwhelming thing. You told me you're from somewhere far away, you don't belong here, and I apologize to you for putting you on the spot like that and asking me to play. You know, I've, I've lived here my whole life, and I must say... I, I know when I can see that a musician has lost their spark. I can hear it. I can see it. Hell, I can even smell it sometimes. And I gotta say, you boys, you seem to have lost your spark. Whatever your, your drive is for the music, and that's understandable given the circumstances, but hear me out on this, boys. Hear me out. You say that when you came here, there was music playing. How exactly did you arrive? I remember correctly, we arrived riding instruments through the sky. Those same instruments you have swung around your necks right now, correct? Correct. Uh, yeah. So it was your spark that allowed you to come here. And when he says this, he kind of uses his finger to accentuate the point by tapping it on his chair. It was your spark that brought you here. And I believe it must be your spark that will take you back home. Are you following me, boys? I think so. It, yeah, I guess. We gotta, we gotta get our love for, for the jamming back. Right? To and get that's home. a lot to ask, given your situation, but I think it's what makes sense. Now, boys, I, I might be the mayor of this town, but I am no Toneman. However, our town Toneman, I believe he will be your best bet at finding that old spark. I think you need to go find Swamp Atonement and have him help you get your spark back. And maybe, just maybe, that will get you boys home. Now, I'm not, I'm not pushing. You're welcome to stay in our little village as long as you like. You are welcome here. I want you to know that. But I just think that might be your best bet at getting back home. Gil, uh, kind of like looking down, still a little sullen and beat up from what just happened and shakes his head it's like as he thinks it over he's like yeah yeah I agree we can do this guys we gotta find Swampy Mayor Bradford smiles and with his mighty dwarf arms wraps you all up in a tight hug all at once and he says I'm glad to hear it boys as I said you're welcome to stay as long as you like if we can offer you assistance in any way, please let us know. Now, I do believe I told you where Swampy went off to, yeah? To the old, uh... The old Blessed. The old Blessed. blessed. Old blessed. Now, I will say this, boys. The Old Blessed is a sacred place. Not necessarily a dangerous one, but it is sacred. So when you go there, be aware of where you are. And boys, as we like to say here in Rosewood... 
May the music flow through you like the blood and salt of the earth. I'm going to leave you boys now, but if you need me, you can come find me at my home just over yonder, near the stage. Guys, I'm sorry. I I really screwed that one up. I... It, it, it's no excuse, but I, I I thought I saw Heather's face in the crowd, and and I, I I froze. I I fucked up. I'm sorry, friend. You 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 love her. You're gonna see her face in every crowd. Aww. Aww. Gil uh kind of takes that into his mind. It's like yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. Benedict just for her. Yeah. Benedict just gives you a thumbs up and then. Cleaning. He's cleaning off his bass and everything. Crawford would like to inspect his uh, guitar, make sure he's fixed the string. Craw, looking looking at your string, yep, you were able to, because of where the break was, you were able to just, you know, unwind, pull it up, and reuse the same string. That is a lucky break. Yeah, lucky it is. break, boys. I definitely think uh, from here we should probably get some rest. I agree. Maybe, uh... uh I think so, yeah. I believe so. Do we... Is are, are we staying in the green room tonight? I don't know if we know where exactly where we're sleeping, but I think George is going to leave that up to you guys. Because I, I think Gil would like to uh, take a rest. He's he's not feeling too hot. Gil, you I, going to bed? Well, we got to figure out where we're going to bed first. Oh yeah, I'm sure I can barter barter us some rooms. Okay. George will follow for now. Crawford agrees. So as you open the door to the green room, uh, that same sort of you know somber air is is still about, but it's it's really quite beautiful here. The only thing you hear is uh, the wind rustling the trees that surround the perimeter of the village, uh, some crickets, and the little creek that runs through the village uh, babbling. So it, it is pretty peaceful, very, you know, introspective sort of feeling, uh, but none of the townspeople are out and about. In fact, you can see on uh, the, the houses that kind of litter the perimeter, the smaller houses, uh, most of the candles have gone out. You get a feeling a lot of people are probably asleep so uh, as you go to the tavern you see on the front porch of the tavern is Joza Grafton and she sees you stepping up and she gives you a, a sort of teasing smile she says ah didn't know if you'd uh, be hightailing it out of the village after that one oh I mean it in good fun I'm sorry I'm sorry oh, don't worry we're tucking tail and Coming here to see if uh, you know anywhere we can sleep for the night. Well, you're welcome to stay at the tavern. I, I don't have any rooms. I don't have any rooms. Uh, everyone here has got their own boat, but I'd be more than willing to you know, lay out some blankets by the fire. Uh, I'm sure you'd be welcome to the green room. So, some blankets by the fire sound pretty cozy to me. What do you think, Gil? Well, if you'd, if you'd have us, sure. Oh, it's no trouble, boys. It's no trouble. I, uh... She walks over to you, sets her mug down, walks over to you, Gil, pats your shoulder. There's no shame in it, by the way. You know, we've, we, we all have moments. Sometimes that spark's just not there when you need it most. And I'm, I'm sorry. Gil kind of just looks off into the, into, the, into the distance and just, yeah, these things happen. I don't know about uh, the rest of you boys, Crawford says, but uh, I, think, uh, I think some stew and a nice rest will do me good. Not not quite ready to go to sleep yet. You want to take a walk around town? Let's take a walk around town. Gil, you. Gil looks at the blankets and says, I think I'm going to hit early tonight, guys. I think I'll, I'll, I'll head with you. (laughs) 
Crawford turns to Gil and goes, Well, it wasn't either of our finest hours, but uh, we're the lucky ones that don't have to show our faces in town the rest of the night. I can't believe they're going out there. But like they said, we'll do great. And uh, it, it wasn't your fault. Gil, uh, laying down, kind of shakes his head. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I dragged you guys down with me. I... If I hadn't made that stupid mistake, had I just been focused, but I, I don't know. I, I saw I saw Heather's face and just I shut down. Just something inside of me just figured out she's not here with me. I'm not there with her. What's going on? Gil tears up. Yeah, he, 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 a couple tears start rolling rolling down his cheeks. This is like Gil's anime moment. <laughs> Hey, you know, don't worry. She'll be fine. You'll be fine. We'll all be fine. But let's not stew over anything but the stew that's over there. And I'm going to get something to eat and go to bed, my friend. Yeah, it'll be all right. Okay, so uh, as they go inside, uh, Benedict and George, you're out here in this beautiful night air. All right, now most of these seems like houses. They're not stayed, but there's that big house near the entrance where... uh. The Tone Man lived. Um, uh, you want to uh, go check that out? I mean, he's not there, though, right? So, like, how do we just look at it from the outside? Because that stopped us That's from true. going somewhere. That's true, I guess. But, all right, let's go Let's go take a scope. I want. I eventually want to make our way up to the, the little creek side, though. I think we're crossing the creek, right? Yes. Yeah, but if you, if we go further up, there's like a... Oh, okay. There's little a little owl that I noticed while we were playing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, you head on up to the big house, uh, and again, when you walk up to it, you see that there is a, a black wrought iron gate, uh, not gate, fence, around the perimeter of the house, and it's not very high. It looks more decorative um, than anything. You see that there is a candle in each window. Uh, this is at least four stories. Uh, you don't know if there's a basement or anything like that, and this house stands out as being different than the other houses here in Rosewood. The other homes are, you know, pretty pretty modestly built, you know, clay, fine shingle roof, like nothing bad, but nothing that stands out. This house is made of solid red brick. Uh, it, it, it almost looks like a, a house that would totally fit into your world and what you're used to. I can, see, I can, uh, can I see through the windows? Are there any lights on? Or so any, looking in, uh, light? There, there is a candle in the window, but behind the candle, uh, there are some drawn curtains. So you're you're not able to see through okay. into the windows. You do see that the door um, has a little window at the top of it as well. And the the iron gate that is locked. Yes, iron gate is locked. Okay, it's locked. Okay. Yeah. So I, I look at Benedict and I say, "Well, well, here's the house. I was hoping somebody would be here. <laughs> yeah, maybe he had like a maid or something." I mean, but, somebody's here somewhere, but let's go check out Doyle Co. <laughs> go look at Doyle Co. All right, we'll go look at Doyle Co. All right. Well, wait, we won't break into this house. That's fine. Doyle Co. is about the normalest thing I've seen here. That is a bold statement. I'd say yeah. right. Uh, it, it, it's a pretty uh, steep trudge up the hill. If you recall the the walking down in this uh, town's almost like in a little bowl. It's at this point where you you haven't really thought about it for a while, George, but you're very sober right now. Oh dang! Okay. And it, it's just like kind of hitting you. Yeah. Well, I mean that makes sense because you know, George George as of right now is a little down. You know the, the performance, although albeit it wasn't his fault. <laughs> yeah, look, we're we're not the ones that fucked up, Benedict. But that was a terrible show. It happens. It really it, does. You, you, know? you are right. You know, in in my my years of, well, this is the only band I've ever been in. But in my years of playing and and tanning, things do go wrong. 
you just you just got to keep you know moving forward. Yeah, we'll keep. I, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about Gil, but I, you know, he's young. He's he's spry. He'll bounce back. So, as you finish your conversation, you've arrived at the crest of the hill, and you see Doyle Co. sitting there. Tad is nowhere to be found, but a uh, trademark bell is right on the counter. I am gonna ring rang that bell. Uh, there's a flash of white light, and you feel a gust of wind. And suddenly behind the counter uh, is Tad, wearing nothing but his fur vest. His uh, yellow handlebar mustache shimmers in the moonlight, and he says, Hello! Is it a sleeveless fur vest? I'm oh, it sure is. Okay. Are you having a fantastic day, boys? No, Tad. No, Tad, we're not. I'm sorry! I don't, I don't know what to say. How can I help? I know, I know it's been like... I don't know, like six hours since we last saw you. Did you get any stock in or anything? Not yet, boys. Not yet. I'm still working on that networking. It's all about the networking, boys. You did mention your name in town. Bully! Fantastic. So no, unfortunately, I've got no stock in. The only thing I've got are, aside from these wondrous pectorals, words of wisdom. Well, what are these words of wisdom? What, what can you do to put us in a better mood? Did you see our performance? No, but judging by your appearance, I would guess that it was not good. It was not. Well, boys... It wasn't our fault, though. We did not mention your name during the poor performance. Let me just put that out there. He gives you a look that is very thankful. He says, well, boys, let me tell you. Sometimes life is hard. And as much as we try to make life easier, really it's all about how much suffering you want to endure. When I get down... Which is very, very rarely. I like to remind myself of the alternative. I would much rather be feeling mournful than nothing at all. Because that means that I am at least... And he puts his arms around you boys and stares off at the moon with one eyebrow raised. Living. And living is much better than dying. So remind yourselves, boys. Tonight, you might have sucked the big one. Was it the big one? We're still There's only like 15 high. people. Oh, I know. So tonight, you might have sucked one. And as time goes on, you will suck many more. But it is better to suck than to be nothing. So suck away, boys. Because it's your life, and only you can live it. Thanks, Tad. Thank you, Tad. You got it, boys. I'm glad I could be of assistance. And, you know, to make this whole situation a little bit easier on you, I do have one thing in stock that you might be interested in. And he reaches down underneath the counter, and he pulls out four little tin whistles. Like, they're maybe the size of your finger. He says, I found these. You're welcome to have them. Yeah, you take them. Yeah, sure. For sure. Free stuff's free stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You have uh you have acquired four little tin whistles. Nothing special. <laughs> Nothing it's special. literally like right. something you'd find in a cracker jackpot. But, all right. So uh, what what time would you say it is now? Um, after our trek. Yeah. Eight thirty. Okay. So it's still pretty early. All right. We're going creek. Let's go up to the creek and and try out these tin whistles. <laughs> have a great day, boys. Thanks, Tad. There is a sudden flash of light, a gust of wind again, and Tad is gone. The only thing remaining sitting on the counter, aside from his bell, is a single strand of golden hair. I take that single strand of golden hair. Take one inspiration. Oh, nice. 
You guys leave Doyle Co. You're heading down uh, the creek to the little pond where it kind of pools. Yes. All right. So uh, as you're Scenic walking, adventure. as you're walking down along, uh, just looking at the the serene surroundings. Uh, you know, you, I, I pointed out when you first came in, but again, the the pathway down there is kind of in, in between two old fields. Uh, you can see that the the soil has been tilled. Uh, there's a couple scarecrows standing in there. You make your way down to the creek and you follow it to a little pond, and it is again just like picture perfect tranquility there's some lily pads in there a couple of nice rocks you can see the fireflies glittering around the pond on the other side of the pond uh right where it pulls against is the tall wall that surrounds the village and on the other side of that wall an endless sea of trees george is going to do a spot check for two things uh tree stump and uh reed a reeds of any kind it's uh 13 uh, you do indeed see a tree stump. It's about three feet away from the water's edge. There are reeds all about on the shoreline. I pick a reed, put it in my ear, sit, sit down on that tree stump, and try to play this tin whistle with all, all the sadness in my heart. <laughs> Roll a perform. Benedict's just going to watch. <laughs> uh, 19. I'll probably have to cut part of this, but... uh. You you play on this little tin whistle, a little haunting melody with the reed in your ear and, you know, staring out over the water. Everything is still as you play your tin whistle, sitting on your stump, staring out over the pond as Benedict watches. You've heard my heart. Benedict just nods. He, he understands, I think. I think he understands. I do. I just, I lean into it. I give him a hug. And, and, and like, you don't have a chance to get out of the way. Can I reflex out of this? You can, you can try. Uh, George, roll a, roll a dex. Nat 20. <laughs> I rolled a 19. I rolled a 19 plus 2. Nat 20 to hug your ass. <laughs> So, Benedict, before you can get away, because you saw it incoming, you know that look on someone's face, you are taken in a, a, a warm, manly embrace. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> right, George, you, you good? I'm good. I'm good. Let's, one of those awkward just pats. Yep, just, yeah, it's just a quick couple pats, you know, but our manly embrace will, will forever be a moment in your history. And uh, <laughs> with, that, with that, we're going go to go to bed. So uh, as night passes, uh, you all sleep fairly restlessly. Your dreams do not wrap you in comfort. And you are awakened by the cra first cracks of dawn through the window. The sunlight kind of peers on your group's faces. And as you all open your eyes, you see standing in the middle of the four of you, looking down with big wide eyes, is one of the dwarven children that you saw from the show last night. And when you all wake up, she looks at you and says, You all slept so sad. And with that, she leaves. That is possibly the scariest thing I've woken up to in many years. That's not the first time I've woken up to those words. George wakes up, and for the first time in his life, he, he doesn't feel the need to drink. 
But he still does. Wow. Out of obligation. <laughs> Just routine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Gil uh gets up and you know rubs the sleep out of his eyes. Uh, so did you guys guys find out anything about Swampy last night? We went to his house and uh I mean it's a house. But that's all we figured out. <laughs> just just that it was a house. Yeah. We knew that before. Very modern looking house. So so you walked up to the house, saw it was a house. I saw that it wasn't as nice as my house. And then left. And then we left. Yeah. I mean, it was all locked up, you know, and Swamp Toman obviously isn't home. Everyone tells us he's so the, he's out in the old blessing. That's really should have just should have just stayed with uh Gil and Gil and myself here. Oh no, we had kind of early, man. We had a grand adventure. We went and saw uh Tad at Doyle Co. Oh yeah, by the way, I hand I hand them both a uh uh, a tin flute. Yeah, this was this was uh, given to us by Tad. Uh, Sick. Play some haunting melodies. Oh, sweet. Great. And uh, then we went and enjoyed, uh, you know, probably about 45 minutes down by the creekside. Crawford Mawson, you notice that there is still a reed in uh, in George's hair. Why is uh, why is there a reed in your hair? Why isn't there one in your hair? I was asleep by the fire. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> who, who put it there? I did. <laughs> I, I leave out the bit where him and I had a very manly hug moment. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's good luck. It's good okay. luck. Thank you. Let's uh, let's get some breakfast. You look very like Jim from Missouri. It, it you know, I, I just felt it kind of fit with the the bluesy environment. And, yeah. You know, and you know, you look in California, feel in Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. That, that's where I'm from, St. Cloud, Minnesota. Uh, Chris Cornell, be proud. Gil wants to get breakfast. And right as you think that in your head, Gil, I, I should get some breakfast. You hear the sound of clattering plates on a table as the uh, as the bar wench sets down plates full of ham and eggs and cups full of a strange green liquid that almost looks gelatinous. She says, ah, I figured you boys be starving. Have your fill. And after she says that, she heads down to the cellar of the tavern. It is a smile on his face. He goes, mm, 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 scrumptious. George is gonna is salty. inspect the uh the gelatin. Crawford thinks to himself, I'm gonna go 19. Hiss. So looking at the these. the green gelatinous goo, it, it's like watered down jello. As you move the glass, it kind of shifts around and you see little sparkling specks in it. But it smells like apples. Mm. Okay, I, I George will eat that first then. As you uh, swallow it, it is indeed just like swallowing gelatin, but suddenly you feel alive, awake, and alert and enthusiastic. It's like somebody just took a syringe full of caffeine and jammed it straight into your heart. Whoa! Wow! That stuff is good! Gil, Gil takes his and downs it as well. <laughs> Same deal, you just like a jolt of lightning throughout your system. You almost forgot about what happened last night. You're just awake! It's daytime! Crawford, gonna <gasps> shoot that motherfucker back. Same exact deal, Crawford. Uh, the the weight of all your life choices is lifted from your shoulders in a moment of clarity, and boom, awake. I hang myself in the tavern? <laughs> not, not yet. Not that clear. Not that clear. <laughs> uh, Benedict sees all their reactions, and as you could, you could see when he gets up, every single bone in his body is like just, you could hear You're it. You're creaking. <laughs> you could just hear it. Oh, this, this is gonna be good. <laughs> he goes and he goes and takes the Jello. As you take a shot of it, Benedict, you're like Uncle Joe or Grandpa Joe from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> Gets up and starts doing a jig. <laughs> you immediately just you, you feel the urge to tap dance, and you hate tap dancing. Yeah, 
I do not tap dance. The urge is there, though. Oh, how's your grundo feeling, Benedict? Better. Good. Better. I almost entirely forgot about that. I'd wow, rather I'd... you did forget, yeah. Crawford Mawson likes to keep Grundle on the mind. That's true. I noticed that throughout the throughout the years of playing. I think I've frequented your bar before we actually started playing oh, yeah. together. Yeah, you get, so. get, get my own personal shot, the perineum piercing. No. I don't think I had that one. I'm you know, I'm I'm a I'm a straight bourbon man. I don't really like to to mix any uh other whatever that is in there. You you hear the cawing of a rooster outside. The sun is blaring bright. Thank you. The sun is blaring bright outside the windows, and a light breeze blows through the tavern. Gil, you feel ready to face the day. Mm-hmm. Walking out of the tavern, Gil uh, pulls the, the the gateway harp out of his. Pocket. So, should we go to the old blessed? I guess so. That's about the only other option we got here. Yep. Let's get going. Let's 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 seize the day, boys. This is this is the best. That shot made Benedict feel the best he's felt in a wow. long time. I've got a clarity that I've never felt physically. I feel like I could. Yeah. Clean and clear and under control. We'll say that George has never felt better in his life. Period. Uh, Gil, do you play the gateway harp? I do. You all as a group, too, feel almost like just a comfort deep within you as you hear the notes sing out. It's a consoling sort of feeling, and it fades when he's done playing it. And the ghostly train appears on the tracks. That's afraid. We're hopping on. Hopping on the devil's train. Ride the Bessie Freighter through the morning light. Uh, it takes you underneath the trees. The ride seems to go quick. Again, you are energetic. You're enthused. As you're moving through this new area of trees, you start feeling a chill about you. And you notice the further the train goes, the more and more aged the trees begin to look. The leaves go from a bright red to an almost auburn hue down to orange until eventually all the trees around you, of which there are thousands, are withered. Almost looks like a forest during winter time. The chill in the air is palpable. You can actually see your breath. And the train comes to a chug and halt and stops as the tracks end. And before you is an old wrought iron gate. It stands maybe 20 feet tall. And you can see hanging from the top of it some of the metal bars have kind of cranked down over the years. It reads, Old Blessed. 
Is there train tracks on the other side of the gate or no? There is not. On the other side of the gate, you see a thicket of grapevines. Gil's going to walk up and check out this gate. Take a look. Roll a perception. While this is going on, Crawford Mawson's going to uh, raise his hand, you know, kiss it a little bit, and then think to himself, one love to Allah to <laughs> to be sacred towards the uh, graveyard. Yeah. 20. Not a nat 20, but a 20. Gil, you uh, looking at this gate here, you know, you kind of pull on it, and you can see that the gate is not locked. Uh, the iron bars are old and definitely aged, but they're still holding pretty strong. You see directly on the other side of the gate, as soon as you open it, there's a thicket of grapevines like you've seen before. And you swear on the other side of the grapevines, you can hear almost like a a wailing noise, a very quiet sort of moaning. Mm. Strange creature beyond the grapevines moaning. Sounds like a great start to a song. Sounds like your mother. <laughs> George says to Gil, uh, "All right, we'll lead the way. Play that harp. All right, yeah. So I'll, I'll uh, play the play the draw harp, the the gateway harp, the the harp of uh, horrors." <laughs> As you're about to put the harp to your lips, uh, there is a gust of wind that surrounds your group. The area around you grows much dimmer. You can barely see more than five feet in front of you, and you feel a cold chill in the air. And you find yourself unable to move. You can communicate, but your heart rate increases as you find you are paralyzed. Oh, no. You guys fighting it, uh... Hard to to move right now? Yeah, I was about to bring that up. Um, I'm stuck. I'm a little bit stiff and not in the way I like. Step bro, help me. As you're all... Uh, communicating here, you hear a wisping voice about the air. Something moving in your periphery. You see almost like a black cloud flowing around, and the voice speaks. What, what brings you to these grounds? Hi, Crawford Mawson here. Uh, we're looking for atonement. A swampy atonement. A man inside, a man around, but not one among you. We're, we're just here to get our spark back. Only those who live for the sound may enter this hallowed ground. The ground shakes a little bit. And you feel vines begin to grip your ankles. Fading between you and your bandmates is a small black cloud. As it moves past you, you feel the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Your spark has grown dim. You should not be here. You all begin to feel a sharp pain in the back of your minds. Silly children. Whatever this is hovers behind you. You can feel it speaking as though it's directly just inches from the back of your head. Benedict McIntyre, you've been enclosed off from why you started playing for years. Simply content to just be. I mean... Fuck, man. Wow, Benedict feels that a little bit. That was deep. George Jorson. You take the easy way. 
You poison your body not out of pain, but to give you an excuse to fail. That was a brutal blow. George, George acknowledges this. He, he knows this to be true. As in Crawford Mawson, <laughs> you wear a mask without being asked. You didn't play to feel. You only seek fame for this false icon you built. You're a fraud for the profit. What? No. I mean, uh, I mean, who, 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 who is it really? I'm a country guy. Come on. Come on. Gil Albright, you're afraid to fail the image you've built in your own head. Afraid to pivot or focus. You work towards a dream without dreaming it. Looks looks around nervously, trying to try, trying to see if there's any any escape from his his capture just to get away. You're no band. You're only a mob. Only those with the spark are safe here. If you don't find it, then you'll just become one of the countless lost. And as it says that. The vines that were gripping your ankles let go. You can feel your body almost jolt forward. You can move again. The light in the area returns back to normal. The chill in the air is gone. And the vines peel away from the gate to the old blessed. Guys, I'm feeling a little weak. Yeah. Weak. Rock and Roll for Initiative is a lovingly made D&D podcast by Zach, Nathan, Andy, Biggs, Roger, and Tyler, a group of lifelong friends who really just enjoy playing D&D. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Rock and Roll for Initiative and invite you to check out our Patreon, Facebook, or TikTok pages for weekly updates, clips, playlists, and more. Visit our website at rr4initiative.com. That's rr, the number four, initiative.com. Be sure to check back for new episodes every other Wednesday. We'd like to give a special shout-out and a serious thank you to our newest Patreon members, Grix Teague, Nath Ridge, Spooky Grook, Snow, Simp for Gooseberries, and Frost. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We can't wait to interact with you more. Music creation, production and editing by Roger, episode production and editing by the team here at Rock and Roll for Initiative, certain sound effects and extra clips acquired under the Creative Commons license, necessary credits when applicable are available on our website. The story, all names, characters, and incidents portrayed in this production are fictitious. No identification with actual persons, living or deceased places, buildings, or products is intended or should be inferred. This product is a piece of fictional entertainment media and should not be understood to have any legal backing. 